This morning, I want to continue in our series, Heed the Warning. And what we're doing is we're going verse by verse through the book of Jude. Now, the book of Jude is one short chapter. It's one short book, but it has so much profound truth in it from the Holy Spirit. Things that we need to know, things that we need to learn, and things that we need to know in order to navigate this crazy world that we're living in. And I know it seems like each and every week something even crazier hits the media. Something even weirder comes through the pipeline. Something even more different that our children are facing, that we're facing in the workplace, or that we're facing in the community, keeps hitting us right in between the eyes. And what we need to understand is, is that even though the Bible is an ancient book, it is also a modern book. It is also a present book. It is also the living Word of God, and it can give us advice today in the year 2022 that is relevant and applicable to our lives, just like it gave those folks in the first century. So whenever you found your place in the book of Jude, we're going to begin in verse 5 and read 5 through 11. So when you find your place, if you will, please stand with me here at Pole Creek. We stand for the reading of God's word because it is our authority and it is our foundation. So beginning in verse 5 of the book of Jude, the Bible says this, Now I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their own position, but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people relying on their dreams defile their flesh reject authority and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael, the archangel, was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand, and what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have plunged into Balaam's error for profit and have perished in Korah's rebellion. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful as we read and as we treasure this book of Jude. Though it is small, it is of such great importance in our lives today. And God, as we look at your inspired word, I pray that you would pierce our hearts, that you would give us strength to pierce the darkness, that you would give us wisdom to disciple our children who are living in a very difficult day and age. Um, Lord, as we send out our little children, God, each and every day into the world, I pray that you would help us to equip them with the gospel, that our children might be a light to the lost, that we as adults, as we go about our business and our work and doing what we do each and every day, I pray that you give us favor among those who are lost, that we might lead them to you, Jesus, and ultimately, God, that your church would be founded and would be strong in the faith so that when the things come in society and in the world that is contrary to your word, Lord, that we are able to stand against those things, that we are able to, as Jude said, contend for the faith. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of my sermon today is History is a Great Reminder. And I think those of us who do not study history, we are setting ourselves up for trouble. There's really nothing new under the sun, as King Solomon said. 
There's really nothing new that happens in life. It is really a cycle throughout human history where we see Satan and his schemes and his ploys raise their ugly head time and time again. Sometimes he'll take on a different identity. Sometimes he will look a little different and use a little bit of a different idea to push forward his agenda to rob God of his glory. But ultimately, it is always goes back to Satan wanting to take the glory from God. Humanity in our sinful nature, we can't always blame everything on Satan, but the sinful nature of humanity rears its ugly head time and time again. As we see entire societies giving over to the, the ideologies and, and the sexual revolution and the transgender revolution and, and sexualizing our children and all that goes along with that, we see the trueness of sinful nature coming out in mankind. So many times we feel helpless. What do we do? As Christians, how do we operate in a world that is so against the Word of God? How do we train our children to be influential and effective in this world? How do we keep our loved ones from veering out and straying into these sinful lifestyles? Well, the Bible is very clear, as Jude said, and this is something that we preached last week, that in verse 3, he uh, implores us and he pleads with us to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. The Bible many times uses military analogies for Christians. We are not just like the Peace Corps. We don't just exist in the community, and we're not just reactive. We don't just wait for things to happen and then go and do. We are to be proactive. We are to be fighters. We are to be a force to be reckoned with. As Jesus Christ is our king, we are to go into the darkness of our society with the word of God, and we are to fight and contend for the faith. We are to fight and contend for lost souls who have no hope, who have never experienced the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, who have never come to a place where they have trusted in Jesus as their Savior. We are to be a fighting force. We are to be proactive. We are to go and change our community. So many times we complain about drug use and domestic violence and issues in our culture and our community, but we never actually go out and do anything about it. Well, I'm here to argue today that the only way that any of this mess is going to be fixed is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Democrats can't fix it. The Republicans can't fix it. The Supreme Court can't fix it. The local politicians can't fix it. The only thing that can change a hell-bound sinner to a heaven-bound saint is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we as a church, our vision is to be that church that propels our community and world into an encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way they're going to be propelled into an encounter is if we go and we propel them ourselves. We introduce the gospel to them. We have events here for our community that exposes people to the gospel. We support missionaries all over the nation and all over the world who are today preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything that we do as a church must be about transforming the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes the, you, know, you think about history, and you see that in these end times, uh, the wickedness is expanding exponentially. It's not like culture changes every decade or every 20 years or every 30 years anymore, but our culture is changing year by year now. It is at such a fast rate of speed that I think our people remain in a state of shock. Because normally when a culture changes, it's a very slow 
process that comes through by perhaps some immigration or it comes through perhaps by re-education or, or different types of education. But our culture is changing at such a fast rate of speed. We have technology like never before. We have social media platforms that are able to disseminate information at lightning fast speeds. And for that reason, our culture remains in confusion. Our people remain in confusion. How quickly does normal become abnormal? And abnormal become normal in our society today? Well, that's kind of a hard question, isn't it? But in the past several years, we have seen men become women. We've seen women become men. We've seen men marry men and women marry women. We've seen biological women identify as men, biological men identify as women, men dressing up like women, women dressing up like men. We've seen children dressing up like animals because they claim they are animals. We see a society that says abortion is okay, but if you don't wear a mask, you're killing people. Women deserve opportunities to compete, but it's okay for men who claim to be women to dominate women's sports. We find, though, and I want you to understand this because this is all theological. You say, Ben, you're getting political. No, I'm showing you that the powers of darkness are infiltrating our society. The powers of darkness are tearing down the family unit as designed by God for the purpose of robbing God of his glory, for the purpose of destroying the legacy of our great God. We find the root cause of all of the insanities, and that's exactly what they are, mentioned before as rebellion against the holy God of creation. There is no sin that takes place without the human committing the sin first of rebelling against God. Sin at its essence is a rebellion. It is in contradiction to God's character and God's person. Sin is an offense to God. It is an attack on God. And by simply a lost person existing is an offense to God because their sin is crying out against God. Before I came to know Jesus, the Bible teaches me that I was an enemy of God, that everything I did was contrary to his character. Everything I did was an offense against his holiness. But I'm so thankful that now that I know the Lord Jesus Christ, that I am no longer an offense to God, but I am now a child of God. You know, history has a way of repeating itself. And a wise person will see events that have taken place and will learn from them. Jude is using in this scripture past events that everyone associated with the church would have known in this first century in order to show how dangerous it is, now listen to this, to allow false prophets to spew their lies in and to the church. Those who participate in the disregard for the truths of God will pay a massive price. And I believe today that's what we're seeing in our society. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First of all, we're going to look at the rebellious events that Jude mentions here in this passage as we see how history is a great reminder. Rebellious events. Verses 5 through 7 say this, now, I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire." 
One thing that I found was very interesting is that Germany and Japan, even to this day, are very limited in the military power that they're allowed to have. They really don't have a traditional standing army like you would think, especially nothing compared to the United States or any of the, those other countries that have uh, uh, stringent uh, military forces. And the reason for this is, is that after the Allied victory in World War II, the United States greatly restricted Germany and Japan. They learned from the past and were determined that what happened in World War II would not happen again. In other words, the United States, because of the events of World War I and World War II, said, we are not going to allow Germany and Japan to have a viable military force ever again. Now, both of those countries today have what they call defense forces. They're very small. They're inadequate in uh, uh, putting forth an offensive or anything like that. But they, to this day, do not have that. And it's because the United States learned from the past and learned from history. I think as Christians today, the Bible is full of historical events, factual historical events who have, that have happened over the course of human history. And God has given us a word today that says, pay attention to what's happened in the past. Pay attention to the historical events when these same people that you have today, we have this great gross immorality that's uh, penetrating our society. That's not new, by the way. The perversions and the sexual immorality that we see today is not new. It's been happening over and over again through the course of humanity. Even Jude is dealing with it here in the first century church. Some 2,000 years ago, Jude is dealing with the very same things that we are dealing with today. And he's saying, listen, church, learn from history. See how it all played out. And don't mimic those who have made that same mistake in the past. Really interesting about Jude is as Jude is writing this letter, you see that he continually groups things into groups of threes. I think that is maybe just how he enjoyed to write or he felt like that showed the completion of his point. Maybe that's why preachers always have three points. Have you ever wondered that? It always shocks you guys when I only have one or two, doesn't it? But there's three different events that he mentions here and he wants us to look back to. The first is the wilderness rebellion in verse 5. You can find that full story in Exodus chapter 32, verses 10 through 13. But essentially, this is where God freed the children of Israel from the uh, Egyptian slavery that they were in. And as they went into the wilderness, Moses was up on Mount Sinai uh, visiting with God and having uh, that, that uh, relationship with God. And as he was up there, the children of Israel were melting their gold and creating an idol, a golden calf. And the people began to worship the golden calf and even give it credit for getting them out of the slavery of Egypt. The Bible teaches us that the judgment that day for that wilderness rebellion was great. That, that, that many, many, many people were died by, the, died by the judgment of God that day. Then in verse 6, we see the angelic rebellion. Verse 6 says this, And the angels who did not keep their own possession... But abandon their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Here we see the account of when Satan and his third of the angels and his army rebelled against God in heaven. And God soundly and definitively defeated Lucifer and his armies and cast them, some to earth and some into eternal chains in deep darkness. Darkness. You can find mentions of that in Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Revelation. Then we see in verse 7, we have a sexual rebellion. 
So we have three rebellions here, the wilderness rebellion, the angelic rebellion, and the sexual rebellion in verse 7, where the Bible says this, Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Their judgment was a, an eternity in a place called hell, as the Bible says in Genesis chapter 19, verses 24 through 29. You may be saying, Ben, what is in common with these three events? Well, what is in common is two different things. Number one, the rebellion. Number one, the fact that mankind did not want God's way. Mankind said, no, God, we're going to do it our own way. No, God, we don't want you. We want the golden calf. Lucifer, no, God, I don't want you to be the supreme God. I want to be the supreme God. The sexual rebellion, no, God, I don't want to honor the design of marriage as you have set forth. I, I want to go after strange flesh, and I want to do things that are contrary to the marriage union of one man and one woman who make a commitment for life. Here, each and every time, people are saying, God, it's not good enough. God, your ways are not the best ways. God, I've got a better way. And then we also see the judgment that comes with each of those erroneous understandings of truth. We see that in the wilderness, many died because of their worship of the idol. We see that Lucifer is, going, is condemned already to eternal hell. He's not there yet, but the Bible teaches us that there will come a time in the future at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign when Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire where he will burn and be tormented every day forever and ever. We see that in the sexual rebellion of Sodom and Gomorrah that the punishment was eternal fire, or eternal hell. Today, as we look at the history, as we look at all these events playing out, my question for you is, are you setting yourself up for a disaster? Are you setting yourself up for judgment? As you're pulling back and you've got a bird's eye view of what's going on in our society, are you properly equipping your children to deal with these issues? Are you properly teaching your children what a man is, what a woman is, how they can know the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that the Bible is the ultimate authority and it is breathed out by God. Are you teaching your children that everything in the world when viewed through Scripture can be understandable and that the Bible actually has answers to all of life's most difficult questions? If we don't raise our children in that way, they're going to grow up confused. They're going to grow up and stray. They're going to go to one of our public universities, and there's going to be a professor in one of those classes, and their intention is to break down your child's worldview. Their intention is to break your child down to a point where they can then rebuild your child as they choose and as they see fit. You say, Ben, how has the nation become so liberal? The way the nation has become liberal is that there has been an all-out assault on the Word of God. And over the past 40 or 50 years, our educational systems and our higher educational systems in the universities has systematically targeted Christians, has systematically targeted a conservative understanding of the family and the life and community, a conservative understanding of what it means to be a person, what it means to love others, what it means to value life. They have redefined it, and now what we're seeing is the product of these thousands of children graduating these public universities, and now they themselves are teaching. Now they themselves are in positions of influence, and now they are educating to the point where it has spread exponentially. Well, how do we counter that, Ben? We raise up the next generation to know the Lord God. 
We raise up the next generation to know that this is absolute truth. This is, does not just contain truth, it is truth. Every single word in the scriptures breathed out by God is profitable for rebuke, for, for proof, for all the things, for discipline, for training in righteousness. The word of God is full and it is sufficient for all those things today. And we must be a people who go about raising the next generation to understand that and to know that, but it means that we must stand up against the tide, against the headwind that is coming at all of us. Don't be afraid. Listen, the Bible teaches us, who do you have to fear if God's on your side? Who, who can hurt you if God is in your corner? Say, Ben, I could lose my job. Hey, you know what? If that's God's will, so be it. Guess who provides for you? God. Hey, it's, the Bible says that he clothes the lilies of the field. He feeds the birds. How much more important are you? Hey, listen, your boss, your corporation, your institution that you work for actually does not provide for you. Did you know that? God simply uses that to provide for you. God will provide for you whether it's through that institution or that company or that individual or whatever it may be. He's in control. So we don't need to be scared today. We must be about the Lord's business. So first of all, we see that this list of rebellious events where mankind is saying, God, we don't want your way. But then we go into three rebellious actions. If you're taking notes, write that down, rebellious actions. We're going to find that in verse 8 where the Bible says this. Listen up. In the same way, these people, those who are immoral, those who are going the way of sexual immorality and, and rebelling against God, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand by instinct, like irrational animals. By these things, they are destroyed. Here, Jude is dealing with a very serious problem in the early church. He's dealing with false teachers. He's dealing with people who are infiltrating into the local church. They're teaching that God's grace is something that's not. They're basically teaching that God's grace permits sinful lifestyles. They're saying, oh, God's grace is so great that you can live however you want and still be okay in your faith and still be a child of God. Listen, as I said last week, I don't believe you can lose your salvation, but I believe if that is your mindset that you were never truly saved to begin with. If you believe that you can just live however you want and everything's okay, and you can live in contradiction to the character of God in God's word and still be okay, I don't believe you ever really got saved. Because the Bible teaches that those who are in Christ are new creatures. The old has passed away, and behold, all things are made new. The, the salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ is not just a prayer you pray. It is not just a little thing that you do with the church, but it is a life change. It is a miraculous transformation of your heart. You become a new creature. You become a new person because the Holy Spirit transforms you from the inside out. I don't believe that someone can proclaim to be able to live however they want and still be okay with God and have truly ever been changed by the Holy Spirit. That is contradictory to the word of God. So in verse 8, it says that they relied on dreams. Uh, some of the commentaries I read said that either they were so separated from reality that they were considered dreamers, these people, or maybe they relied on dreams to dictate their morality, to dictate their truth, to dictate what direction they went in. Now listen, 
If I went by my dreams to dictate my life, listen, I've, got some, I've had some pretty messed up dreams. I mean, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what? That makes no sense whatsoever. Could you imagine trying to go off of your dreams as far as allowing your life to be led by those? Boy, we'd be some confused folks, wouldn't we? We'd be, I mean, you eat the wrong kind of Mexican dish one night, and there's no telling what kind of dreams you're going to have. Amen? <laughs> so the, but this is what these people were known for. They were kind of erratic. They were not uh, controlled by the Holy Spirit. They were irrational. And they would just say these off-the-wall things and just go uh, contradictory to the Word of God like it was no big deal. They defiled their flesh. They turned from the natural sexual use of the human body to these ungodly perversions. We know the Bible teaches in the first three books of the Bible. I mean, God found this so important that he wanted to address it at the very beginning. God created man in the image of God. He created them what? Male and female. Wow. Could you imagine something so simplistic as God creating humanity as male and female? And now, today, we live in a day and age when no one can tell you how many genders there really are. How many categories actually exist? Can you just be human? Can you be an animal? Well, what gender of animal are you? Are you a trans animal? There's so many different things that you're going to get into because it is chaos. Because what happens when we leave the beautiful design of the Lord of glory and we go after our own wisdom and our own pursuits and our own lusts, it creates chaos. It creates a system and a world that none of us really would ever want to live in. It creates a system in a world where children grow up not knowing up from down or right to left, not knowing who they are, being confused about every step they take when God does not want any of us to live like that. God wants us to understand absolute truth. He wants us to understand his truth and that his truth brings about the full and true value of mankind. Did you know that man and woman are valued most when they are in the design that God had created for them? when we are not defiling our flesh against things that are contrary to the holiness of God, but when we go about God's word and listening to it and trusting in it, then we can actually experience the fullness of joy that God intended for every human being. You wonder why everybody's chasing the next big thing. You wonder why everybody's chasing the next drug or the next big uh, movie or the next big event or the next big purchase. It's because all humanity is searching for fulfillment. That is something that all humanity has in common. Every human being is searching for that one thing that will fulfill them. And I'm here to say, based upon the authority of the word of God, the only thing that can do that is God. God created us to be in a relationship with him. And he created us to only be satisfied by a relationship with him. That's it. And if you're expecting anything else in life, an alternative lifestyle, uh, a different ideology, a different truth, a different religion, if you're, if you're banking on one of those things to give you fulfillment, my friends, history does repeat itself. Do not delve. You see what happened when people did that very same thing. It ended up in destruction and it ended up in death. We also see that these people reject authority. That is another action of people who are false teachers, another action of those who wish to deter us from the Lord Jesus Christ. They say, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I want to be autonomous in my decision-making processes. I want to be autonomous, and I want to be my own person, and I don't want anyone to shape me or tell me what I can and cannot do. 
Well, that's why we have an attack on law enforcement today. Because we have a system and we have an ideology that is sweeping our nation, very similar to this in Jude, where people say, I don't want to respect authority. I'm not going to listen to authority. Nobody is going to tell me what to do. I remember that my parents told me when I was very young that if I didn't learn how to submit and respect authority, that I was going to have a very rough life. And I believe that. Could you imagine going into work one day and your boss saying, hey, could you do this and this for me? No, I'm not doing that today. And expect him to put up with that? How do you expect anything to get done if you can't have order in our society? How can you expect our streets to be kept safe if you're not willing to submit to the authority of law enforcement? How can we expect to have a safe community here in Candler, North Carolina, if we don't respect the authorities that are, who are put there, the Bible says, by God in order to protect those who live righteously? These people reject authority. Also, they slander glorious ones. And what that means right there is probably that they rejected and made fun of the possibility that a spiritual reality exists. You know any of those today? You know any of those today who say the Bible is a bunch of fairy tales? You know those today who say, oh, you really believe in that Jesus stuff? Man, that's a waste of time. You know, hey, you know what, Sunday, you don't need to go to church. That's the second Saturday for me. I'm going and hitting the lake. I'm going to fishing because I don't believe in that God stuff. What happens when you're standing before God at the end of life? What happens when your soul is required of you because of your sin? Hey, you know what? All that time on the lake, no good. Hey, all that time at the ball games, no good. Hey, you know what? Jesus is real. And the world is looking at us like we're crazy, but let me tell you why. It's because of this dark infiltration that we're seeing from the powers of darkness in our reality. And you can't deny it today. If you watch the news for any period of time, any length of time, if you read what some school districts are trying to teach our children over in Southern California, you would say and agree with me very much so that the powers of darkness are having their way with our world and with our children. Lastly, rebellious ideologies. So first of all, we see the rebellious events. Then we see the rebellious actions. And lastly, we see the rebellious ideologies. And what an ideology is, it is someone who takes an idea and builds a dogmatic philosophy off of it. It means that they have this idea in their head that they pursue with everything they have. They get fanatical about this idea. You know, one one, uh, uh, example is social justice. As you hear this term used over and over again uh, in the media, social justice. You know, we need need social justice in, in our society so that all people can have these equal outcomes. Well, they stand on this so dogmatically that then it results into what's known as critical race theory. And what critical race theory says, it says that if you are a particular race, that you are basically essentially born a racist because of the, of the mindset of all the generations before you accumulated wealth for you so that now you are set up in a, in a uh, position of privilege and therefore you should be punished for your privilege and therefore you should, uh, they should divest your privilege to other people in order that all people may have equal outcomes. And you say, Ben, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Back where I come from, if you don't work, you don't eat. Back where I come from, it's a man's job to provide for his family. Now, praise God for women who are in business. Hey, if my wife wanted to go out and make $100,000 a year, I would not argue. I promise. Okay? But if my wife says, no, honey, I want to stay home with the kids, guess whose job it is? This one right here. And if I don't do it, I'm sinning. Now, that's pretty simple, I thought. But evidently, the world has made that not so. They say, you know what? They don't work just because uh, they're just unprivileged. People don't work just because they had a rough upbringing. Well, that was never an excuse before. 
It's ideologies. It's people getting this idea in their head, and they're making fanaticism and a false religion out of it, and it is destroying our nation. It is antithetical to the Word of God. Have y'all heard what is going on with Disney right now? And I want to bring this up today because I think this is very important. Um, essentially, the, the, corporate, the Disney Corporation is fighting against um, a bill that the governor, Ron DeSantis of Florida, recently signed that has banned gender theory education in children, uh, two children in grades K through three. Now, I want you to hear this. His bill has banned the teaching of gender theory, which is basically the education that you can be any gender you want. It's based upon your feeling. You can identify as a male, even if you're a female. You can identify as neither. You can identify as both. He's banning that kind of education to children kindergarten through third grade. Okay? And guess who's fighting against that bill? Disney. So basically, Disney is saying that as a parent, you don't have the right to tell the school system when your child can be introduced to this gross immorality that is being perpetuated in our society today. They're saying, you know what? That's the school's job. That's the state's job to decide what your child is exposed to and when they're exposed to it. When did it become normal to teach a kindergartner about transgenderism? When did it become normal to, to introduce children into these gross, immoral lifestyles? I would argue that the whole idea behind this is to sexualize our children at a young age in order to get them comfortable with sexual things so that they will then step out and commit those things as early as possible. Because it, once they're introduced to it, now it's doing this. They've seen it, they've heard it, they know it's a possibility, and now they're pursuing it out of curiosity. They're robbing the innocence of our children. We, we've gone basically from the innocence of the Cinderella movies to an all-out attack on the innocence of our children. It's a rebellious ideology. It's basically saying, God, no, you know, I don't believe that marriage is just between one man and one woman. I don't believe that the gift of sex should be waited until marriage, until someone's an adult and can consent to that thing. You know what? No, I believe that we should start introducing our children to that stuff at as early of an age as possible, even in kindergarten, and then let them experience the freedom their autonomy. Let, let them experience and express themselves through this understanding. My friends, that is horrible. My friends, we should not be okay with that. My friends, we should not stand for that. And let me, ask, let me tell you this. It's okay to ask hard questions of our uh, school administrators, which we have wonderful school administrators, and the good ones, by the way, don't mind the questions. They don't mind answering the questions. The school board members, our government officials, Ask the hard, do it respectfully, but ask the hard questions. Let them know that Buncombe County will not be a playground for the perversions that are coming against our children. Let us fight for our community. And I promise you that if you'll stand up, God will honor that. And we'll be able to protect our children by doing that very thing. I'm going to end with this in verse 11. I want you to hear this. Woe to them. Woe to those rebels. Woe to those who are saying no to God, for they have gone the way of Cain. Cain, the very first murderer on planet earth. They have plunged into Balaam's error for profit, the one who sold the children of Israel into sexual immorality for money, and they have perished in Korah's rebellion. Korah, the one who said, no, Aaron is not the priest in Israel. I'm the priest in Israel, even though Aaron had been, had been anointed by God. The Bible says this is a great warning to those people 
Because I assure you, these people will see judgment. We must be a people who preach the judgment of God. You say, Ben, people don't like to hear that. Listen, before I got saved, I didn't want anybody to tell me I was a sinner either. But I'm thankful that they did. And this morning, you may be someone out there, you say, Ben, I've been saved. I know Jesus. I trusted it. I've trusted in him as, as my Savior based upon his death, burial, and resurrection. I am so thankful. So today, I want you to heed the warning, and I want you to go and contend for the faith. You might be sitting out there today and say, Ben, I've never been saved. If I were to die today, Ben, I have no idea where I would spend eternity. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Today, as we go into a time of reflection and worship, this altar is going to be open for you if any of you need counseling or want to talk about something. But if you just want to sit there in your chair as we pray here in a minute and just trust Jesus with your, with your life, with your eternity, repent and turn from your sins and turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive you and save you, the Bible says that he will do that. Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning.